Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermit and Simon Clark. And we'd be finding out uh, what's been happening at the marts now. Not quite as big as they used to, I suppose, but um, still going strong. And a few people there by the sound of it this week. Yes, there was a good entry of cattle in. Many's finding new homes. Um, the sun's shining and the grass is growing, so it always bodes well for a good sale. Yeah, and it's it changes each sort of a phase of the year isn't it to what people are selling and what people are buying that's right this time of year people want to buy a few more cattle or, or sheep to run on maybe they've had nothing on the grass all winter and it's ready for beef production or, or lamb production and uh, it's always nice to see some new faces at the mart mm, and I went to, to speak to Pauline Dolman uh, whose uh, initiative to help uh, raise money for the MSPCA on the Isle of Man um, is involving dogs and their owners uh, walking the, the TT course um, all just a mile at a time so they've got various people to do different phases of it and it's a great new idea because TT course of course used for many things but uh, never this before isn't it so uh, that's pretty interesting to hear um, also Vision 2050 now that is a good vision away that's it, the um, preservation of the Manx countryside and environment and the, the Manx Wildlife Trust and BirdLife have come together with like-minded people to uh, see what they can do to preserve the Manx countryside. Yeah, so there was all bats involved and, 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 and the bird people, wasn't there? And people just involved in the general sort of lookout for trees, shrubs and any wildlife in the Isle of Man. So again, that was a, an interesting night by the sound of it. And also, I went down to Craig Niche to speak to Jackie Kelly, who was uh, on duty down there and told me about the Bugs and Bees initiative that we've got down there, um, particularly to uh, keep the, the younger generation occupied. And uh, it's fascinating uh, what the little packs have got in them. So we'll save that for her to tell you. And here's this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought... Brought to you by NFU Mutual. We've all been around the TT course, Kiri, in various guises. There's the TT, of course, the Grand Prix, or the Festival of Motorcycle, of course, now. The push bikes go around it, mountain bikes, all sorts of people are using it. Uh, filming as well. <laughs> uh, but one unique event that's happening at the end of this month is a walk around the TT course involving dogs and their owners. It's all in the aid of the MSPCA here on the Isle of Man. And I found out more from one of the organisers, Pauline Dolman. We are raising funds for the MSPCA. So we've organised some volunteers to walk mile per mile of the TT course. Wow, so man or woman in dog uh, with the dog in perfect harmony around the 37 and three quarter mile TT course. Where did this idea come from? We did raise funds last year for the MSPCA. We'd done a pug party at Halloween. Uh, what's, a, what's a pug party all about? Dress the dogs up in... Yeah, we had a bit of a fun show. We had pug race and all the pugs on the island could attend. And we raised charity money for the MSPCA. So we thought we'd do an Easter one. But then we came up with this idea to walk the TT course with dogs. <laughs> and how did, how did it go down when you sort of went, how about let's all walk the TT course in, in a relay fashion? <laughs> did people sort of go, or were they going, wow, it's a good idea? I told Lee, my husband, and he said, you're mad, crazy idea. And then look where we are now. It's a month away before the event, so... 
it's gone ahead. Yeah, what sort of support did you get? Um, as I say, probably that initial surprise, but then you seem to have got everyone on board and all the spaces filled. Because just to recap, one one dog and owner are walking one mile each, and then handing the lead over. It's like the Olympic torch or the or the relay baton or something, is it? We had a huge response when we went out for walkers, and everyone's got on board really, really quickly. I've got to say, Upmost Wealth Solutions, they've been absolutely brilliant. Eight staff from there is going to be walking a mile each, and they've also provided us with a high-vis vest for the walkers as well. Oh, good. That's uh, all in the safety grounds, of course. And, of course, the mountain, always a tricky area to uh, get. Who's the unlucky or lucky person who's got that job? We did consider walking the mountain mile per mile, but then we had to consider the risks for the walkers, the dogs, and also any traffic up there as well. So Idleman Trike Tours have got involved and they're going to be helping us transport one walker and one dog in the trike over the mountain to the Craig area where the walk will start again then. Oh, wow, that's very decent of them. I don't know how many times they've had a dog in the, in the trike with them. I suppose it's it's something unique for, for the owner involved and the dog as well. And great to, to see that you've got people on board willing to help the initiative and, of course, keep the safety side of it, isn't it? Which, which again, as you pointed out, is so important. Yeah, we do have approximately four spare miles if anyone wants to be involved. We've got some spare miles available right so yeah one a couple and one going up Glen Helen or anywhere like that no yeah we've got a Solby area spare <laughs> Solby straight that'll be a good one yeah but I mean the MSPCA you, you're not involved in it yourself you just like to help the charity and the people who are obviously got on board with you um, willing to do this for it as well yeah it's a great cause they do so much for the island so we just thought, well, we'll try this event and see how much money we can raise for them. And we've had massive amount of people wanting to, to raise funds for it. And a mile, of course, is, is nothing really for a dog to be walking, is it? People be worrying. I suppose it's, is it harder for, for dogs with the little feet? Or are they just as enthusiastic and a mile's nothing to them? Well, what we thought was everyone walks their dog about a mile a day anyway, so... Or they should. They should. <laughs> <laughs> so... If you're going to walk it, why don't walk it for a good cause and raise some money? Um, what about, did you suppose you had to study the course? Um, did you did you get uh, a word with the police just to see if, uh, you know, did you set the blue lights around before? Or, or we any did. Marshal? We did contact the police at the start and they gave us really good advice, especially over the mountain area. And that's when we decided it's probably be a bit too risky. So, yeah, the police were involved from right from the start. And what about weather-wise? It's going ahead regardless it's of what? Because people do, people, <laughs> there isn't, I think, serious dog owners and enthusiastic ones who look after their pets. I think it doesn't bother them. Rain, shine, snow, they're going to take the dogs out for a walk, aren't they? It'll go ahead. Everyone knows. Rain, snow, shine. Jacket's on, out you go. And just to recap when this event is and what time it's getting underway, because if anyone wants to support it, um, still, you can have anyone collect anything at the time, but they just want to give money um, just ahead of it or after it. Yeah, we're still collecting donations. and um, We've also got some miles available if anyone wants to walk a mile. The event's taking place on Sunday the 30th of April, kicking off at the grandstand at half past seven in the morning. And it will run right the way through for 12 hours up until about half past seven in the evening. That's when we'll be hopefully back at the grandstand. But if anyone wants to to help out then or, or do them missing miles that is there or, or put a donation in, where can they get 
details of it, Pauline? Best place is probably under Facebook. If you search under TT Dog Challenge, uh, the full details are on there. Alternatively, you can contact me on Facebook as well. Good. Well, good luck with it. And, uh, Thank you. It's, it's a fairly unique challenge, and I just hope that it gets the support because obviously you've, you've got 33 people who are willing to walk a mile so far. So it's, it's proved a popular event, and as you said before, it's uh, just for a great cause and a chance for it to get noticed in a way and people get exercise. That's it, exactly. Pauline Dolman tell me about the TT relay walk with their dogs all doing a mile each and uh, it's fantastic news that and of course they're taking the the safety side of it not like uh, uh, some daredevil people at the weekends i suppose but the mspcn it's something new and uh, it's nice that people are, are, are getting involved and helping out with this yeah lots of people like to get out in the countryside and uh, well it's a world famous tt course and what better way to raise charity and money and yeah get yeah. out there with your dogs i was thinking it'd be a good one if, if they had the torch like the olympics here on the isle of man wouldn't it you just get the last half mile and gale force easily will blow the torch <laughs> out just as young glen country road but so uh, we wish them all the best with that and it's it's great to be all sorts of dogs and uh, uh sizes and makes of dog and just the mile they have to do so no problem with that and uh, good luck in that venture well wildlife and conservation and environment is a big thing here on the isle of man getting uh, people wanting to to keep our areas of scientific interest and areas where the general public can just peacefully enjoy uh, the manx countryside and bird life and the flora and fauna but you've been uh, at an event that was happening to do with uh, nature for the future. Yes, a, a group of like-minded people got together to talk about Manx Vision Nature 2050. and it That bre- is a vision. <laughs> <laughs> a long time off, yeah. but it's now that they're putting in the groundwork to protect some of these species, whether they're plants or animals, and just areas of, of like you say, beautiful spots on the Isle of Man. So I went along to the Noah Bakehouse to speak to John Farragher from the Society of the Preservation of the Manx Countryside and Environment and also and also to Neil Morris from the Manx Birdlife to see what their views were. John Farragher, yet yeah, another successful meeting here tonight. Yeah, really successful. I was uh, chuffed, to be honest. Uh, I was expecting, you know, we could all sit around a little table and uh, have a chat about things. Didn't realise we'd have, uh, you know, 50, 60 people in a room. Uh, and what was the title of your meeting tonight? It was basically Manx Nature 2050, which is sort of a project, uh, something that, you know, I've thought about for the last couple of years, about um, the Isle of Man having a, a strategy, having a biosphere strategy, uh, bit similar to New Zealand and I met up with a couple of uh, chaps last year following the SPMCE supplying some funding for a couple of projects so myself Tim Graham from the Manx Wildlife Trust he was quite new to the island and he was the new CEO of, uh, of the Manx Wildlife Trust and Neil Morris who is the uh, man charge of Manx Birdlife again he was quite new and we provided some funding for both those um, charities not realizing that that uh, neil actually sits on the manx wildlife trust board of trustees as well so we we went and had lunch in, in laxey and we, we were just chatting and you know it gave them my opinion of how i felt you know the island's future should be defined and there should be a strategy and the manx government should be doing something to say this is what we need tim and graham obviously 
our experts in their fields, getting them on board was just like a breath of fresh air. And we just said, well, well let's move it forward. Now, unfortunately, it's taken this, this long. It, you don't just come up with an idea, you know, we kind of pull it together. It a lot of, we've got reams and reams of email communication. And we sort of thought, you know, we need to start inviting people in just to, to see if people are interested. I'll be honest, if five people had turned up, I'd have still took it forward. At least there's people out there. But, you know, with this number of people, it, it's kind of encouraging to see that people need somewhere to take their love and their passion of, of you know, the wildness of the Isle of Man and hopefully we'll provide that uh, that for them and, and take stuff forward. I mean, there's there's a Manx Wildlife Forum, the Nature Forum that, that DEFA have um, you know, a big hand in and, and also gives you access to uh, the political members for, for DEFA and, and the certain departments. Uh, you know, and we're hoping to work in communication with them, but by providing sort of, um, you know, a, a combined voice. So, yeah, we were hoping to work with the Manx Nature Forum and, and, you know, provide ourselves with a conduit to look at the ideas. Neil, you're from the, the Manx Bird Life, and you had a bit of a different approach tonight. Um, I, on the screen, there was two or three really good questions that you put up for everybody to look at. Biodiversity is meaningless. There isn't enough conservation getting done. These are really interesting. You've seen people's ears go up. Well, it's been a great night. I think my role as one of the three uh, provocateurs tonight was to be a bit more challenging. Fantastic, we had so many contributions and great to hear of a lot of good work going on and a huge amount of passion and I think also concern about what that passion is able to deliver. But I was really asking the question, do we think conservation has worked? And I was trying to answer my own question by saying, actually, if you look at the big picture, conservation isn't working. Despite the fabulous things that have been achieved, sum it all together, we're still in a worse position than we were in 1962 when Rachel Carson wrote the quotes that I used. And biodiversity... I think I was making the point that we're very hung up on biodiversity. If we stick animals two by two in the ark or in a wildlife park somewhere, breed them in captivity for our own delight, then that means nothing. So diversity is about preserving the gene pool and the science that's involved there, but it's also about enjoyment and spirit, and that's where abundance comes in. So I think you have to have diversity and abundance. And you were very keen that New Zealand's vision for 2050 was uh, a really good one. What I was getting across was that there is a government, there is a people who've decided to do something hugely ambitious. What they're looking to do is rid themselves of invasive alien species which are destroying the native wildlife. Now, for many animals, birds, plants, it's too late. But to save what there still is requires a radical programme. And again, it's evidence that perhaps conservation in the way that we know it hasn't been working, and we need to think bigger. You had a lovely slide. Um, your daughter is very keen on nature. How do we try and get the younger people involved? Gosh, what a good question. I just think we get them out there. I think if we try to tell them about nature in classrooms, if we try to use technology apps to engage them with nature, maybe that will have an effect. But the single best way to make it happen is to get them out there, get them muddy, get them wet, get them dirty, get them fascinated and let nature inspire them. That was Neil Morris from the Manx Birdlife and John Farragher from the Society of the Preservation of the Manx Countryside and Environment. Fair enough. You wouldn't like to write that one every day of the week, would you? But it's great that they're, you know, they're looking ahead to 2050 
you know, with their visions here. And, of course, Neil Morris there putting his concerns over and his views, to, you know, about what possibly would help and um, what wouldn't help maybe uh, the bird life on the island as well, isn't it? Well, that's it. And he's concerned that numbers are dwindling and people need to do more about it. And, yeah, he had very thought-provoking questions for the audience that night and a very positive uh, conclusions came from it. So it's a good drive forward, I hope. And the people that go to that thing uh, come back and... You know, you can scout through when you're reading bits and pieces about it, but when you're actually there and you're listening to it and the people there are listening to it and going away with a different sort of aspect on it sometimes, don't they? Well, that's it, and they're all like-minded and they're just wanting to preserve the, the Manx countryside and they're all doing their small bit to, to do it and, and trying to get more people on board and more young people on board as well. They're, they're reaching out for everyone to get involved. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, we've had beekeepers on Countryside uh, many times in the past. We've talked about bees and flowers and everything around the Isle of Man. But one initiative that the Manx National Heritage are running is Bees and Bugs. And it's happening at the Craigniche Museum down the south of the Isle of Man, of course, then at the north at the Grove Museum in Ramsey, there, just on the outskirts of Ramsey. Well, I went down to Craigniche on a beautiful day to find out what the Bees and Bugs was all about on the various dates that will be happening throughout the season. And first of all, I got the lowdown on it from Jackie Kelly. We have um, a backpack in the shape of a bumblebee that we fill and we have with um, like a bug finder, binoculars, te- a mini telescope there is, and magnifying, magnifying glass, drawing pad and pencils, so that children can go round and look for bugs and have a look at them close up and see what it's all about. Because always when we were kids we used to go and collect butterflies with the nets and things like that and put them... Don't know if it was the right thing to do in jars and things with, with holes right. in the lid, of yes. course, and then let them yeah. go afterwards. But this is it's a great initiative because I suppose the kids won't be quite as interested in, in all of the older stuff that's around no. the Craigneese Museum. No, they do find, I mean, the only stipulation we have is that please tip the bugs out and let them go back to the wild before you bring them in because we don't really want to find slugs and snails and that in the things to clean out afterwards <laughs> and is this uh, new to this season the bug bags no it's about the third year that we've done them now and they get more and more popular we don't charge anything for them we just ask for a contact telephone number just in case people wander off and forget to bring them back so that we can obviously trace them and get them back on site but the museum here it's brilliant i mean we speak about it and various items that we come down and cover for countryside in particular there is so much variety and and to see how things were in in days gone by it's fairly unique and i suppose for a lot of people off the island as well as on Ireland, it's it's unique compared to many parts of the UK and Ireland. Well, yes, I mean, there's a lot of folk museums nationally now, especially in the UK, but we were the first. We opened in 1938 and we've been open, apart from the first two years of the Second World War, we've been open ever since. We're unique in the way that it is an actual village. We've not transported properties into the village. This is how Craigneesh has always been. And people still live uh, in this area of Craigneesh as well, and uh, some of them in some of the quite old buildings. People do still live in Craigneesh. We do own most of the properties now, Manx National Heritage do, but we do privately rent out a lot of the properties so that people can come and live here for six months, 12 months, 
and I assure you that they do all have electricity and running water, <laughs> unlike Harry Kelly's. But the the bug side of the kids, I mean, is it good for butterflies, moths and bugs around this area? Well, yes, because it's all naturally grown. We don't use a lot of fertiliser or anything, so there is a lot of old plants as well which do encourage the wildlife. Is it a joy to work here where you get a lot of awkward questions or or interesting questions? No, it's a very nice place to work. We get a lot of nice people coming in with a lot of interesting questions, which if we can't answer at the time, we do ask them for contact details and we do try and find the answers for them. Plenty of events on throughout the season as well and people can come down and witness the the horse plough and there's all sorts of things in the old sheds and the blacksmith sheds and there's a church here as well isn't there? Yes there is a church it doesn't belong to Manx National Heritage but it is open daily for people to go and have a look round and it is a very very nice church. So looking forward to the whole season now uh, just starting and if you get every day like this it'll be, be a joy. Fingers crossed let's hope it stays like it. <laughs> Jackie Kelly telling me about uh, a bit of what's been happening at Craig Nish and what's going to happen throughout the season. The lovely spot that is, and particularly on that day. And uh, also the Bugs and Bees initiative, which uh, I didn't know anything about till I got down there. And that's a really great idea for the kids. I mean, I had the bag out myself. I felt like going around it. Because we used to do that when we were kids, catch the butterflies, a bit of an owl net and put them in the jam jar with the with the holes in the top and stuff and that was part of our growing up and this is the chance for the kids to do it while the adults are looking at uh, something a bit more serious for them it's absolutely fascinating to see what you can find in the countryside and and when you suck them up in the little pooter and put them in the jar and then you can take them back and look at them under the microscope or or under the magnifying glass it's nothing more fascinating is there no the magnifying glasses were there and the binoculars so all the kids be going around like uh, Sherlock Holmes there just need there wasn't no big deer stalker hat in the bag <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're into the springtime now, Kiri, as well, and uh, it's time where maybe people are selling and buying, wanting to buy stock. Uh, you find the latest, I think, from the marts. That's right. This time of year, when the grass starts growing and the sun starts shining, people get itchy feet to get down the mart and buy a few cattle. And um, I went along to see Peter Quayle from Central Marts to see how the winter has been. The first part of the winter was very kind, so it helped certainly with the straw situation, so people were able to leave stock out a bit longer as the winter's gone on we've ended up getting bits of wet weather and some real nasty spells just two or three days which has been hard for people with at lambing time but the straw shortage has been difficult because there's not enough on the island last may and june the the growing season was just so dry it just didn't grow at all so Mm -hmm. it's been at a real premium and although they brought some straw in it's not it's not like having the amounts that we usually have around that to keep the stock nice and clean so hopefully next year every year is different with it being a nice early spring do you think the cattle will be going out earlier than normal well there's a lot of grass about in some places you drive on the north i can't believe how much grass they got up there <laughs> and it's, they think they've got better land and they're luckier and anybody who hasn't got sheep has got grass which is great and so that brings us on that um, we had our first mart just a few days ago it was great to see some stock and the people at the mart we haven't had any cattle in the mart for over a couple of months some of them sold quite well some outwintered stock which Charolais Parthenay crosses and that they did well from uh, Maureen Owens and we had some others which would beef out the dairy and they were at the 600 weight stage they just need a little bit of uh, tender care from the grass and a bit more growth and put some weight on 
but we struggled to sell them. And then we had some really good limousines in from the Chadwicks, and uh, they made good prices. And there's some, I think the top price was uh, 530 kilos, and it was 1,025, so, so there were some good prices, but they were really good cattle as well. And will they go out to the grass now? Yes, those people have got grass to turn them out onto. Anybody who buys cattle at this time of year, they get a real benefit from compensatory growth. It's like special medicine, the grass this time of year, isn't <laughs> Dr. it? Dr. Green, isn't Dr. it? Dr. Green, and uh, the cattle jump with the grass, and it's it's a good time for people to buy as long as they have got grass to turn them onto. Are people looking for certain types of cattle? Do you see the, a trend forming in the market? There's always a market for everything, but traditionally the, the better cattle do make better prices, and people who buy that those stock then hope that they'll grade better when they go to our meat plant or if they're sold away regardless the better the type the better the shape then the, the better price and there still is no uh, no news on the meat plant yet no we hear little snippets that uh, there are one or two firms from away who are looking to take over which we hope will happen um, it's just at the way things have been going the last couple of years the meat plant seems to have gone backwards Everybody knows the problems with it, the amount that has to be exported when, and after it's been through our expensive meat plant it carries quite a cost so then to try and sell it all over England and we don't have a proper salesperson away so there are lots of problems. It's such an expensive place, the Isle of Man, to export from so it definitely needs some sort of new structure but there must be some sort of caveats that the farmers will get a fair price and, and we've just got to get something either very near or similar to the UK prices because already we're, our costs are higher so we deserve at least the same but just just recently we've got further and further behind. And with the first mart out of the way you've got some entries for the forthcoming marts? There are two or three people uh, that have got numbers of stock to sell. We haven't got a mart next week but there will be one soon. Uh, just keep an eye on the paper and the uh, website. As the grass grows and the farmers need stock Everybody has to have some stock for their countryside care compliances. So we look forward to selling some more cattle. We've got one customer with some cows and calves. And then it'll not be long then before with the sheep sales. And we hope that, uh, that they'll be reasonable. But we just really need the meat plant to shape up and uh, give a fair return. With the sun shining now, Peter, and people are, are well underway with their lamb, and there will be a bit more of buzz about. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice time of year. It's that magical time that uh, in a week or so that the grass will be growing quicker than the stock can eat it. And with all the lambs being turned out, it's, it's just good to see them around the country. And uh, there's some pretty frustrated farmers about it. Uh, they do lots of hours and lambing time and calving time is, uh, can be stressful but it's a great time of year. And you had a very successful machinery sale as well through the back end of this year. Yes, it was in uh, February, end of February. Always have a good turnout down at the back of the Tinwald Arm annual machinery sale. Uh, we did sell some nice machinery and there's something for everybody. Uh, we are thinking that, that we've had some people asking about possibly having a sale, machinery sale in the autumn and somebody said maybe on the north because We've always had them in the centre of the island and if we had them on the north there's quite a few there that might just be more tempted to sell machinery and it just could be. So So we're thinking of that, if anybody's got machinery we could be interested in having a sale maybe September, October time. But have you got any entries to get in touch with Central Marts? Yes. Yeah. That was Peter Quayle from Central Marts. Well, sounds like a bit of enthusiasm in especially with the uh, with the cattle there yeah good cattle always sell well here on the island there are some very good farmers of good quality stock and uh, it's nice to see them being brought out for other people to buy
Yeah, what's uh, going to be happening in the next over the next few months at the mart? Will things change to different animals? Well, that's right. Peter said that uh, they've got a few more cows and calves to sell, and then they'll be into the sheep sales. The time of year is ticking on now, and uh, there's plenty of grass coming. And if the sunshine stays as bright as it is, we'll have a, a good early spring, hopefully. Yeah, let's hope so. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we are, this week's Countryside. Peter Quayle there, keeping uh, keeping a good sort of positive outlook uh, to what's going to be happening later in the year with, uh, with the mart sales on the island, isn't it? And no sheep there yet. No, not yet, but uh, a few cattle for sale and sheep will be coming round shortly, I suppose. It's it's the time of year's moving on quickly. Mm, and, you, and it's great, the, the Vision 2050 that, that we're hearing about there, that uh, all the different groups, uh, again, because they all have different opinions about what's good and what's not good for it. And at least they've been all getting together and sort of, you know, getting something ready so they can iron out these things um, looking a good way into the future, I suppose. That's right, and they're trying to get a lot more young people involved and um, it's essential that the next generation know and understand and how to look after the countryside, um, the bats, the, the marine life. It's all essential to, to our island life, isn't mm, it? It is. All right, we'll leave it there for this week. We'll be back at the same time next week. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Comid. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.